Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, 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 the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to figure it out. Hello and welcome to Don't Be an Idiot. My name is Jake, here as always with Caleb. Uh, today's a little change of pace, actually. Uh, normally, we kind of start out with some silly story or some idiot story that Cabe and I have done. Uh, we're going to try to dial up the serious meter here a little bit and talking specifically about suicide. Caleb, uh, you quoted a study just the other day uh, about suicide being uh, the rates going up. Mm. In the last, you remember that study? I, I, I don't offhand, yeah. but... Uh, honestly, it's it's jumped even uh, since COVID. Uh, as, as a study gets done, finished, and wrapped up and published, it's, no it's already relevant. out of date. Yeah, it's no. The, the rates, uh, honestly, p- part of the, and this is what we'll probably end up going, but all of the predictors for suicide are increasing. Yeah. So it's only logical that suicide rates are, are going up themselves. So one of the things you want to do here is have a conversation about things we're not having a conversation about. Uh, I grew up, you didn't grow up in a small town, but I I grew up in a small town, but you now have lived a significant (laughs) part of your life in a small town. Uh, We were talking about the word taboo just a few minutes ago. Like when suicides happen, it seems like they don't get talked about the way that they should get talked about uh, to be able to help people, to be able to bring awareness to what's going on. It's just a... It's a hard conversation to have. And so typically when there are hard conversations to have, we run away from those instead of lean into them and have the important conversations. Mm. Uh, And I think if you talk to just about anybody, they could tell you a story, some connection, whether close, distant, or or close, that they could have a story about this. Mm. But no one's talking about it. Mm. So tell us what we got today. Well, so in in the studio, in our studio, we have uh, a a guy that I've known, been aware of for, uh, honestly, you, you mentioned uh, it's over a third of my life now. I've lived here in Mound City, small town. Um, Dylan, I met you one of my first couple of days in town here. I'm sure it was equally as memorable for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was actually at a track meet. I met you. Uh, this is Dylan Thayer. We've got him uh, here in the studio today. Dylan, uh, just briefly introduce us to yourself and then we'll get into the conversation for today. Yeah, the uh, most important event of my life was meeting Caleb at a track meet. <laughs> <laughs> the most important event that you didn't know happened. <laughs> Man, that's big, uh, big praise from Dylan here. So. Yeah. So, well, you've got a couple of big uh, life events that have happened this year, at least one. Yeah, I got married April 15th. That was exciting. It's changed my life for the better. Don't have to date anymore. <laughs> it's the most overrated thing in the world. <laughs> I dated for like four months before I got engaged, bro. So <laughs> That's I was smart. Like, <laughs> That's very smart. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about her. She's uh, perfect. <laughs> she, she's probably going to listen at some point. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure she will. Uh, she's, yeah. You're still in the honeymoon phase, so... <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I've had plenty of time. I'm, I'm older to get married. I'm 31, so you know I had time to pick through, and I found mm. the one that's right for me. Perfect. Uh, she finished med school and is now a practicing doctor. So mm. that's awesome. Also a plus. <laughs> I was like, by right for you, you mean like, hey, you're setting yourself up no, here. No, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a Mound City native, or I, I, I claim Blue Mound over Mound City, okay. but it's getting harder by the year. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Okay. Shots to Blue Mound. Yeah. 
and went to Jayhawk. That's where Caleb saw you. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I graduated Blue Mound grade school, which Ooh. is no longer a thing, and then went to Jayhawk Lynn and then on to Pitt State. So You had to be one of the last classes uh, at Blue Mound grade three school. Three years after me, yeah, yeah. Shut it down. I graduated with eight people from Blue Mound grade school. <laughs> That's small town. That's real small town. Yeah. That's yeah. like Hume's high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. All right, so, hey, well, one of the things we, we mentioned, talking about things that don't get talked about, and your story is woven around something that doesn't get talked about. So yes. Just start telling us your story. Uh, really start with this, your, your childhood, what was your involvement with church, and yeah, you mentioned Blue Mound and, and uh, Jayhawk Lynn. So I, I grew up in the Blue Mound Methodist Church, which has recently gone astray and been shut down um, for the better, it sounded like. But mm. then I grew up in the Awanas program with you guys at First Baptist and uh, went on to, I think it was 212. Is it still 212? Mm-hmm. Yep, still yeah, 212. 212. Um, did that, and then I kind of, when I got out of high school, um, I didn't really have anything to do with the church, and even mm. on Sundays or any day anymore um it took a couple years before i made it back so what what was the reason as as former youth pastor we're just coming off this whole series of death to deconstruction talking about what happens to our faith and walking away and it was just the influences i was surrounded by and i just didn't care anymore Mm -hmm. um it was too easy to get caught up in the ways of the world i guess is how you'd put it (laughs) you know yeah. I was having too much fun. Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily like any active choice. It was more just, it's not relevant. Yeah, like I said, not atheist or agnostic. I just didn't care, which is probably worse. Mm. So. so that you're going through college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us about, I guess. So I had a friend come into my life. Um, his name's Kyle. Um, spent basically every day with him for close to two years um then some you know how how much you want just yeah just tell us the story okay so it got down to um he was having some bad relationships personally um between friends and there was only a handful of people that turned out actually cared about him at all um including his dad and about four others Mm. um he got in a fight with his best friend from childhood who beat him up um, over some rent money. It was pretty sad to boil down to that, but um, about two weeks later, he took his own life. So. Mm. And then, you know, had to deal with those emotions and um, heartbreak and guilt, and I met my friend's dad for the first time three days after he died. Um, wasn't a lot. Um, said or done to make it you know at least bring some kind of um, justification or make it okay or not your fault so a lot of questions surrounding it like there wasn't a lot of clarity (sighs) no there was no so his dad had him cremated you know, uh, met his dad three days later. He collected his belongings at our house, and I was hugging his dad and consoling this man that I'd never met before. And I'm, you know, I'm going through it too. And here I am hugging somebody else, telling them like I'm sorry. And, and you're 
21 years old 21 years old yeah it's 10 years ago october 9th so and that that was a big part of me wanting to be here and tell this story and um so you're feeling what 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 emotions are you feeling at this time immediately after it happened um you know we, we the next day it was like somebody was missing and we went through those emotions of oh we're going to find our friend uh, all of a sudden your friend killed themselves and we found out through a text message which mm. if you're ever going to find anything terrible out that's about the worst way you can find it um so then we just started the process of why did it happen um and that's even 10 years later, that's nothing that we've ever solved, honestly. It was something that we had to become okay with just to live mm-hmm. and move on. The, the ambiguity there. the un- Yeah, un- un- he was the only one with answers. I mean, his dad, like I said, got on an airplane three days later, and I've never heard from him again. Mm. So you, you said we began to try and process through. Who is the, the, the we in that? Yeah, me and my roommate at the time. Okay. Um we, as far as friends, you know, him and his, his best friend from high school that he had a physical altercation with, I think were probably the three that I actually cared about him. Mm. And I, uh, the day that we found out he died, we actually went to that kid's house that beat him up that evening, and he hadn't found out. Mm-hmm. So we had to tell him. And, you know, seeing... We had... <laughs> I got to see what I went through, I guess. You know, mm. that look that I probably had on my face, like instant destruction. I had to watch his face, and that's, you know, I saw it too. And I know that he probably dealt with it for longer than we did because I assume he probably feels more responsibility. But That's a hard thing to start but thinking and discussing. And, and not that it, I don't blame him either you know men are stupid and we do stupid things so i've never held that against anybody so, so as uh, you're moving on there, you mentioned there was no funeral there there's was no, no funeral no, no, no body he was cremated yep. so no no closure there uh no you had previously separated from church from those communities correct and the um, the subject of committing suicide is considered taboo like Mm. we started the program so um i would say elders in my life you know the best i got was don't you ever do that Mm. no uh support it seems to be there's a theme there right like uh Mm -hmm. there's just a handful of people in in kyle's life uh, you and just a handful others uh and then go through something this hard this dark and then try to figure your way out of it without support. Like, what was that like? Like, how long did it? You know, you're sitting here talking about a day ten years later, and uh, mm-hmm. you had shared with us like you feel like you're not. I'm over it's wrong, but you've passed at least some of those darker emotions. Like, what did it take? How long did it take? You know, uh, what what was that immediate months after? Like, mm-hmm. so the guilt of. E- you feel like an absolute failure when you have somebody that's that close to you and you spend all day every day with them and then all of a sudden they kill themselves and you had no idea that there was anything wrong. You feel like, oh, I should have asked, how are you doing? 
Mm. Or I should have pressed, how are you doing? Instead of just taking a, you know, oh, everything's good, you know. Um, It took about all day, every day. And like I said, I even would dream about it some nights. um, Just to, you know, it, it was always the last weekend that he was alive. There was a lot of things going on that last weekend. And we spent the whole weekend together and, the last time I talked to him was through text message the day, the evening before about the Chiefs game. And I I replayed the events of what happened every single day mm. for months on end. Um, and like I, I tried to, it's I tried to tell like, I think it changed the trajectory of my life. Because it was my going into my last semester at college. Mm. And that's all I was living. So my grades suffered. Um, my social life suffered. Mm. And what I wanted to do after school, I think, changed. I ended up coming back home because I think it was the path of least resistance. Mm. And at that point in time, I wasn't able to fight for anything so. you, you've mentioned the the guilt um several times now uh, uh was there any other emotions going on there you're heartbroken when you especially guys we keep a small group of men a small circle um, almost every one of us just mm-hmm. a handful and to have one of those people take their own life because they felt worthless or like they weren't loved is pretty pretty bad. So it, it really does seem like this hopelessness spread. Uh, started with Kyle and, and then Kyle made his choices and then that hopelessness, this, is, this guilt spread to you and, and your roommate. Um what was there anything you, you mentioned you didn't go because it was the path of least resistance so was there anything you were trying to do during this time or was it just the this weight it, yeah it weighed me down completely i mean i had went through four years of school getting a management degree and there are certain things that i was wanting to do um i just never got to uh, like i said i th- i think it was Honestly, I'm pretty impressive that I was able to graduate at that hmm. point. I just wasn't present. Hmm. I mean, I could be there, but I wasn't present. So, and that was just, it was straight guilt, and it, it did weigh me down. Um, how, how long did that that um, level go on? Pretty close to six months. Hmm. I've just, hmm. you know, and... I fought through it in my own mind and brain and had to get to the point where I felt like there really wasn't anything that I probably could have done, um, you know, without having foreknowledge at that point. So there was a, a friend in my life that just told me, you know, it wasn't your fault, right? And it was like a goodwill mm. hunting moment. Mm. And it just washed away. And that was the first time I was able to, 
I guess breathe freely because it it did it was it was just different. It was a weight mm. and it washed off. So and nobody had said that to you no previously. And so no. then when your your friend it probably appeared obvious, you know, it's <laughs> not your fault, but for whatever reason hearing it changed everything. I I think sometimes the obvious things, you know, we we don't want to say the cliche things or whatever. Uh but for a friend to look at you and be like, "Hey, this isn't on you. This isn't your fault." You probably trusted him enough to at least them be in your life. You know, that's that's the permission you needed, you know? Yeah. Uh and I assume in the six months there was no counseling happening. Uh, you said you had been kind of walk no. away, fell away, just stayed at home from the church so there was no pastors or, or Christian friends in your life like that. Yeah, it was at that point kind of self-isolated. I It would just be in my roommate and I for the most part and about one other person that wasn't super like, connected to the situation. So, Were you guys actively trying to process through it together? Um, I would say very minimal because mm. I think we're, our battles were probably different. Mm. Mm. So what, outside of your friend speaking to you, then what else helped? Because uh, you're able to talk about this now, and I can't imagine you would have been nine years ago, no, five years have. ago. So what, what else helped you heal? After... A- so yeah, after all of all of it happened, um, there is one there was one moment that stuck out to me about two weeks after it happened. Um, my cousin had a broken down an arma, and I went to pick him up, and he needed coolant for his truck. So we went to the first gas station on the edge of Pittsburgh to get coolant, and. He got what he needed there, and I turned around to leave and in walked this girl, and she was one of the, she was the on and off again girlfriend of Kyle. Mm. Never met her before. The first time I'd heard about her, her dad, his dad had told me about her. And she walked in, and she knew who I was and introduced herself. And I couldn't, I couldn't even look at her. I couldn't talk to her. And I feel like that was a chance. That's probably my best chance at any kind of closure I was ever going to get was somebody from the other side of it that's probably going through it too. Mm. And that moment's always stuck out to me because the odds of that happening just seem crazy. Somebody I've never met only found out who she was about a week and a half prior. And I had a moment where I could have engaged but i just wasn't i think it was the guilt and i just wasn't emotionally able to but i felt like that was almost like an olive branch to me so what did you feel like you should have done if i could go back in time i would have talked Mm. just to see what they had to say and i think i probably would have got some answers Mm. and it probably would have sped up what i was going through Mm. At least I could have had more justification in my brain of like why we were in the situation we were in. You've, Go ahead. Yeah. You've called this a pivotal moment in your life, and uh, <laughs> yeah. from the outside, that seems yeah, w- it, it was tragic. 
um, it's, it's always tragic when, you know, somebody gets sick and dies or there's an accident and somebody dies, but it's just another level when somebody you care about chooses to die. Mm. And it made me go and look at just everything, you know, why are we here? Mm. What are we doing this for? Meaning life. Life. And those were answers that I needed for myself. So you went from apathy before to transition to this. Okay. Like there's big questions, big answers. I got to figure it out. Yeah. So where'd you go to figure it out? I started reading (laughs) once I be a reader people. Yeah. Yeah. Kids don't even know how to read now. (laughs) 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 What? And it it didn't start until I was out of the. That six months. It was, this is post six months that. Then I had to I had to go look for answers and I was drawn to look for God. Um, I read books. I read the Bible for the first time in my life. Hmm. And this is from I mean you grew up in in, in our in this church. I had never like cover to cover read the Bible. Hmm. Yeah. So I did that and um, some other books because I. I told you before, but I'm a pretty skeptical person, I guess. There's just so much stuff out there. and um, Yeah, I had to come to that conclusion. Mm. I feel like, again, is how I would say it, because mm. I chose Jesus when I was growing up, and then I got away from it. And then I think my faith is stronger now through all this than it's ever been. So We talk a lot in 212 about just students with student ministry about moving from dependent faith to independent faith. And it sounds like, I mean, you went a really hard direction at it, but mm. all, there's something about a real tangible faith when it is found by for yourself. You know I mean, I think that's a huge, huge deal in anyone's life. I mm. hate that it took tragedy, you know, but you're saying you're stronger for it here. Oh yeah. So what were some of those, those books uh, you mentioned the Bible, but you've said several others. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the book of Job in the Bible, that's a big one for trying to make sense of anything. Mm. You know, he was put through the ringer, Mm -hmm. and uh, how he turned out was, you know, he never quit, so. And my favorite thing, zero answers. (laughs) Yep. Where were you when I laid the foundation? (laughs) There's just, at the end, there's more questions, and do you trust the character and nature? God just says... What do you actually know? <laughs> what do you? Yeah. 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 But evidence demands a verdict was a big one uh, because jo- that Josh guy. Josh McDowell, right? And then mm-hmm. what's the one with the lawyer? Is there a different oh, Case one? for Christ. Case, case for Christ. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mere Christianity. Mm. At Just a lot of oddball ones too. Those, those three are big, big three. It's funny what you find when you start searching and you start grabbing at whatever you can find. Mm-hmm. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, I still pick up random ones like I was telling you earlier. <laughs> yeah. I'll just read whatever I can. That's so. good. What What would you be telling somebody? What would you want to go back and tell someone in Kyle's situation? And that you're loved. Hmm. I don't know if he ever heard it, honestly. And guy friends don't say that. No. No. J- Jake and I joke uh, that we don't say it, so we try and say it. It's still awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and you just have to get over it and just say it. We don't, we hug now, my friends and I never did before because 
I mean, on one level, it's like when you've experienced something like that, you're like, it just changes you. Mm. Um, and you really don't know when the last time you'll see somebody is either. So now we go months or years even without seeing people that mm. we grew up with. So, so when you that hug means yeah. a little bit more when you're leaving from whatever family event or just... I don't even, like, hugging as a guy, like, growing up would have been weird, but now huh. you don't even, like, after what we've been through, I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah. Look at me however you want to look at me. I don't really care. Don't care. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's so huge. Like, what are we afraid of? Like... I'm reading this book we've been talking about called Made for People, and they talk about the curse for Cain that Cain had after mm. killing his brother was... Mm. Uh, he was Isolated. 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 Um, and depression you're talking about, I mean, what you're talking about is depression. Uh, it's, it's this perfect weapon of the enemy because it creates itself over and over and over and over and over again. You know, that doesn't feel like when someone's like, I don't get it. Just be happy. Well, clearly, you know what I mean? Like that, if I could do that, then I would. There's an endless amount of ways to be unhappy, especially in, <laughs> in the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to find those things that are true to you. Mm. My, my wife has this universe for my kids. Whatever's true, whatever's, oh, what is it? Noble, what is, whatever's mm-hmm. just, if anything is excellent or admirable. That's what you're saying. Like, think yeah. on those things. Yeah. Because everything else is just, you can live without it. It's not going to, you know, it's like the Great Depression. All those people's money disappeared and they started killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Happened again in 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the financial crash then. And, and their whole world was caught up on money. Mm. Man. Well, you ask a question, well, Caleb, so what you say to Kyle, the, but... Yeah, so you said, what do you say to Kyle? You are loved. What would you say to Dylan of 10 years ago? Be more open with your friends. and, and Be actually... I don't know how to word it, but... Um, when you're... Especially at that age, we're all caught up in what we had going on. Hmm. So even if we were having convers- like conversations with each other, they were skin deep. Like, mm-hmm. You know, what's up? How are you? <laughs> Stuff like that. Or talking about the Chiefs or Chiefs. Yeah, that's what we like to go to fantasy football. Yeah, um, but it would it would definitely be have more real conversations because mm. we I think we all could have used it anyway. You know, even without that happening, mm. we were all just different. So that's great. The uh, one of my deepest held convictions uh, from my own <laughs> personal issues, uh, getting exposed and vulnerability and just past um, working through that process, was just that every single person is going through very deep, very real, very serious issues. Every single one of us. And, uh, in our conversations earlier, you had mentioned be kind. Like, uh, we, I, I know I went on a rant a little while ago about be nice and how terrible that is. Be kind is true. That's what God commands us to do. You don't want to be the person that beats somebody up or bullies somebody, and then they, mm. you find out that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And, and you can't take their emotions on you. Everyone's in charge of their own emotions, but what you do affects everyone else. And so let's live with some kindness and compassion. And uh, that was a really good insight. 
Uh, you shared a really interesting quote uh, from a book you're currently reading. Uh, would you be willing to share that with us? Yeah, I read a, a book last week in preparation for what we're doing here, and it was about how the how the devil operates mm. um, to attack people's face, which is what you guys have been working on. Mm. Um, but hopelessness is the greatest of the devil's lies. Uh, mm. You can live 30 days without food. You can live three days without water, but you can't live one minute without hope. So, um, yeah, I mean. So, so this this has been a really heavy conversation. And uh, first, I just want to say, Dylan, thank you for sharing. And we want to start, start, keep, continue, make it a habit of talking about things that we don't talk about i want to make that list go away of things we don't talk about yeah you're talking about just what the small town has you know whatever a stereotype to it but one of those is is we don't talk about hard things things are taboo there should be no taboo conversations in the church mm. like we should be willing to face the lies of the devil because we have the answer like you said you know there's a lot of ways to be unhappy <laughs> uh but the bible says there's one way to find joy you know what I mean, um, you know, for you going back to like, I had to go find God. I had to go back to what I knew was going to be true. That's going to bring hope because anything else is just fleeting. You talked about the depression, you know, um, there's a lot of happiness to be found in money, but there's no joy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, this was a big reason I wanted to come here and, and share the stories because you know how drastically I feel like it, it changed my life. And I hope it can help others. Mm. We would wholly echo that. If you are somebody who's having these dark feelings, you have to reach out. Please reach out. We are not created for isolation. We're not created to be alone. Mm -mm. There are people out there who know you and love you. Um, And then on the other side, if you're somebody who's experienced the other side of that like Dylan did you also need to reach out this is the role that a church is meant to fulfill this is the role of the body of Christ we are commanded to mourn with those who mourn and you need a place to process through this um I just Caleb I want to plug too just what a role of a good counseling biblical counselor could have done absolutely in everyone that was involved in that's life uh so quick we were so quick to be like oh that's not for me especially men like i don't need that mm. i'm just going to stand up and bear the weight you are not strong enough to bear that weight um and sometimes it's more than just uh, the bible is where truth is found you need to sit down and read your bible but also you need to go seek outside help too mm. you know uh, that's huge i'd be the first one to say that yeah i, I could have used that mm. there's one last question for you how would that have helped you so I just needed somebody to be there mm. I think I mean all all my thoughts and stuff were internalized it was all internalized my process of trying to make it okay mm. I probably could have used encouragement and a helping hand for sure you yeah. know and I, I'm not even saying that it would have made it better but I think it would have helped for sure um, and it probably would have got me in the right direction sooner. Um, 
think counseling doesn't take the grief and pain away. You know, it just helps you. It gives you tools to work. Yeah. Just to talk work through about it. something. You know what I mean? And when you have nobody to talk to, anything's better than nothing. So. Yeah. It's a big deal. We, this is going to be the first part of at least a two-part conversation. Um, I have First uh, Corinthians 13 ends with, now these three remain, faith, and then it says the greatest of these is love. But in the middle it says hope. And I've, in my own head, called it the forgotten pillar. Is that the Christianity boils down to faith, hope, and love. And in your story, first Kyle was living with a hopelessness, and, and then you. And Christianity is all about hope. It's one of these three things mm-hmm. that Christianity is about. And so we want to use this as, as kind of a framework to, to begin to, to keep going in this conversation about hope. And guys, the more I look both in my own heart and then as I look out at the world, what the world desperately needs is Christians who are prepared and able to give a reason for the hope that is within them. That means you have hope in you mm-hmm. and that it's visible to people. And uh, that's where we're going to go in, in the next episodes. We're going to talk about hope and uh, what that looks like and uh, trying to offer some of that to hurting people. So yeah. thanks for joining us for another episode of Don't Be an Idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, 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 the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to figure it out. 